Charlie recovered. Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27th, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Alcoholic, welcome to North Star Big Book. I am so excited to start a new type of episode that I'm going to be doing where I'm, I'm inviting guests that are big book lovers and students of the book onto my podcast to share with me and with you something about the book that they love or something that's been helpful to them and hopefully to make it feel that way for you too. We have tonight one of my sponsees, Melanie. Um, Melanie is, if I had to like talk to you about her and tell you what I love about her is she's on fire with AA. And when I say that, I mean, um, she caught the bug of the solution from the book and the steps and the 12 step promise, which is that as a result of these steps, the first 11, she has become a different person and she is a go-to for me. I can't do this by myself. So when I have a new girl that needs a sponsor, a sponsor, I give him Melanie's number. I, she is a person that can lead a meeting, can share the steps. Can She is the secretary of one of my home groups. She's just a person that follows through. And I know her well enough to know that her hearing these things about her is probably freaking her out a little bit because like, <laughs> how the hell did this happen, right? Yeah. Welcome, Melanie. Will you tell everybody your sobriety date? Thank you. Yeah, my name is Melanie. I'm an alcoholic. My Hi, sobriety my sobriety date is March 26, 2019. Okay, so listeners, it's 2020 right now, which means we've got someone on here who's relatively new, on fire, useful, and amazing. And just to clarify for any listeners out there, um, because I love the big book so much, there is nothing in our book that tells us how much a length of time or sobriety you have to have in order to help other people, other than you have to have done the first 11 steps. So Melanie is one of the kick-ass humans in my life and I share inventories with her and she shares them with me. And when I asked her to do this, she did what she always does and said, yes. Um, and I asked her to choose a part of the book that she wants to go over. So what did you choose? So a part that's just been so big in my own sobriety and something that, you know, I didn't just do one and done. Like this is a part that comes up for me on a daily basis and you know, it's current for me. Um, and it's page 60 at the bottom okay. of page 60, which is where step three begins. Um, and you know, at the beginning of my sobriety, this used to be a step that freaked me out, you know, turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And, you know, I wanted to intellectualize this and make this difficult. Well, what's my will? What's my life? I, how do I turn something over to something I can't see? Mm. And it just seemed ridiculous to me. And, you know, it had to be broken down for me. Will is my thoughts. Life is my actions, you know, and it's just a decision to do the rest of the work, you know, and I know I've had talks with you about sponsees, you know, who 
I've had struggle that go, you know, keep going back out, coming back in. And, you know, they tell me it's a step three issue. Well, like, what does that mean? And, you know, for me, I had to. Wait, hold on a second. Who tells you it's a step three issue? The girl that just went back out? Yeah. That's my favorite. So here's the deal that I, I am comfortable saying after 21 years of sobriety, and you can argue with me if you'd like. I personally think the only reason why people drink is because they don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work of whatever, whatever it is that they're struggling with to walk through it. And that's why I love that you highlighted step three, because like you said, it's a decision to do the work. So take me on page 60, what you are loving in this part. So I love how the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self will can hardly be a success because you know, there's not many times in the book, they tell me I have to do something. And this is that point in the book where, you know, it's required at this point, like, I can't, you know, I'm my problem, the problem is self and how I act. You know, I'm very selfish and self centered at my core. And you know, I don't just do the work. And that's just gone forever. And I don't, I don't have to do any maintenance and growth. You know, this is something I have to remember on a daily basis because 90, you know, I can see through doing the work and living in 10, 11, and 12 that the majority of the inventories I do, and I'm sure you can attest to this, it's, you know, people aren't following my script. I place these expectations on people. They don't meet my expectations, which they're unrealistic expectations because really I'm expecting people to act in a way they've never acted before. Yes. Or I'm not communicating something, but I'm expecting somebody to read my mind. You know, so I'm at the root of all these. Yes. At all these. I want to highlight those two things you just said that are issues that we both can find ourselves facing. One is I'm not communicating what I need and then I'm mad when you don't do it, which was pretty much what I found all over my first four step that I ever did was like, holy crap, I'm mad at everybody because they're not doing what I want them to do, but I don't tell anybody what I want because I can't communicate. And the other is that, um, wait, what was the first thing you said about how you don't, how they're not doing it the way you want them to do it or that it's, oh, you're expecting them to behave in a way that they've never behaved. So like all of a sudden you're going to start doing something that you've never done. Why are you not doing that when they've never done that? Yeah. And a big part of that's just not respecting people, you know, respecting where people are at and who they are and who they are exactly and how they might never do what we want them to do yeah so again like that's me you know at the root of all this that that's a me issue yes but it's like you know and it kind of touches on this on page 61 i'm getting a little ahead of myself no no go please you know that's like that's me trying to place the blame somewhere else you know like i may be a little at fault but i'm still pointing the finger yes at somebody else because if, I, if you're the problem, if someone else is the problem, then I can just keep complaining and I don't have to do anything. You know, but what yeah. the listeners can't see um, is that you have a shirt on that says, be the change. And <laughs> if my real solution was that I needed to change somebody else, I would be screwed. And so if my real solution is that I need to be the change, right? So it says on 61, but the show doesn't come off real well, right? about that we're self-seeking and that we're delusional. So tell me how this part of the book helps you today. You know, today, you know, and just step three in general, like, you know, I can look, you know, as you know, like my partner and I have been looking 
for the past month, we've been going through this battle of trying to find our next home, where we're going to move when our lease is up at the end of next month, may I add, like I started this at the end of June, which to me, like looking back, that sounds like me trying to run the show. And that's me not giving this to my higher power. I'm not turning that over if I'm still every night spending my free time, you know, swiping through Zillow and checking my email for all these new listings when like, they're going to be gone by the time the well, end of August. Well, just to be clear, comes. I want to identify something here, which is such a great point. So people get confused about this. You're al- it doesn't have to be black and white. You're allowed to be a person, me and you are similar, who are looking at Zillow and doing all those things and being active and being proactive and wanting to understand and get as much information as we can and, and check everything out. There's nothing wrong with that because God's not going to do that. God's not on Zillow, okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. What is important to remember and to not confuse, to, to make it about step three is we do the work and then we let the results go to God. And so we are allowed to be crazy Zillow people, right? But then the answer, the solution when we do our 10 step or when we get nervous about it and we need to pray on our knees and say, God, you know, thy will be done is truly getting to a place where if this place is for me, then it's for me. And if it's not, then I don't want it. And so that is doing both. You get to be proactive and all in your action and busy because who are you kidding? You can't not do that. Right. And you get to trust God. And that's the uncomfortable part being okay with the results. Yes. That's where those, that's where it comes in at. Right. Because what they say on 61 is that, you know, we're like the actor that wants to run the whole show. Right. And you know, what usually happens, it doesn't go off well. And we're, we're self-centered we're egocentric. And what we get to do as recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous is we get to do the work and leave the result up to God. And so when it comes to a house or a relationship or a job, right, we get to do the work. And then what you'll hear from me when you send me an inventory is if it's for you, it's for you. Like, right. And what's cool about that is if you keep living those two things, action and letting go, is you're going to get to a place the longer you stay here and keep practicing where you're truly going to trust that what is for you is for you and what is not for you is not for you. Right. I promise. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's, it's like one of those situations where like, I can, I know this, but it, it takes like, it takes work to actually like believe that and show that in my actions, because then, you know, like it talks about the show doesn't come, doesn't come off the way we plan. So it's like, if I go see, you know, just keeping with this example, if I go see a house and I, in my mind, I have dead said, Oh, this is the one this, I have to live here. Like there's no other house like this. This is the one. Well, then I'm just setting myself up, you know, I'm setting myself up to be resentful. It's like a premeditated resentment because I'm placing this expectation. Then it's like, I'm angry when someone else gets it or someone paid the security deposit first. Then it's like, what would you do that for God? Like this was the place, you know, you know, then it, and it just sounds crazy looking back, looking back on it. What you do with that is you get to tell your partner that you're with when you're looking, I love this place. I would love to live here. And if this is going to be our place, then it'll be our place. And if it's not, I'm also going to be okay. Like, and that's a practice you get to live with. You get to honor that you love a place and you get to honor that it might not be for you. 
And so that's yeah. just, that's just practice of being uncomfortable and being sober and yeah. working the steps, you know, right. can you take um, us to 62 and 63 and, and talk, talk us through those pages? Yeah. So these couple paragraphs, um, in the middle of 62, like this is something I, I come back to often, you know, this selfishness, self-centeredness, you know, the root of my troubles and that driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, like that jumps out at the page of me all the time because, you know, being in active addiction for so long and, you know, realistically, even before that, you know, my life was controlled by fear. Like I didn't know what leaps of faith meant. There was no trust in God because I didn't have one. And, you know, that's why it's so important for me in sobriety to take that leap of faith, you know, in things. Um, you you know, know, that was a game changer for me. When I found is. out this part, specifically on 62, when it was explained to me out of the book that my real problem is me. Me. Yes. And like that was, it was a shocker. And like I, um, in early sobriety, I did landscaping and I mainly just pulled weeds for people. And like, I know that if you just pull the top of the weed, it'll immediately come back. But in order to get to the main part, the root of it, in order to get rid of that weed, it, you have to get down and sweaty and dirty. And then when you pull it out, it is ugly. And what, what I found when I did that with myself was at the root of all of my crap was that I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And when I didn't get it, I didn't like it. And then I either pushed you away or retaliated. And, you know, that's kind of jumping ahead of the four step. But to find out that I'm the problem was like, what? I thought yeah. I had a whole story about who the problem was. And I was not part of that story. It's, I'm the exact same way. And, you know, even uh, almost a year and a half, you know, into sobriety, you know, I just had a breakthrough with this, I don't know, a few weeks ago in my own relationship where I, you know, it got to the point where I took a look at it and, you know, I can get resentful over all these stupid little things when it's like, there is no, there is no perfect person. Like, it's me and God. It's me and God at the end of the day, no matter what. And I have to look at my own behavior, which I do have control over. And I have to look like, am I nitpicking? Am I being controlling? Am I, am I coming off as like trying to be a parent or like parenting my partner? Mm -hmm. Because I have that's specific... sexy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh -huh. Cause everybody wants this... to sleep with their parent. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I have this specific way I want things. And you know, I can be delusional and not see that, you know, how my behavior is affecting a situation. And it, and it brings me right back here. You know, I'm provoking them. Like these problems are of my own making. Like I can't always be pointing the finger at somebody else. You know, this is, this is me at the root of all this is me. It's that selfishness and self-centeredness. If I'm trying to control situations and control outcomes, which is a big character defect of mine, you know, that's selfish. That's, that's selfish on my part. And it's dishonest because I'm not trusting God. If I'm trying, you know, and it's exhausting, honestly, it's exhausting. It's, it's so exhausting. So page 62 in the middle, which is so our troubles we think are basically of our own making basically says the problem is us and the solution is God. So can you read the bottom paragraph for us? So this is the how and why of it. 
first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. Okay, so for people who read this book and get stuck on all the he's and fathers and all that stuff, just ignore it. It was written in the 1930s. This is not a well-written book. It's just got genius gems of treasures in here. And if you just focus on the idea of someone is in charge of how the things are going to go and our job is to trust that it's going to be okay and that we need to do the work. Um, one of the ideas I really liked early on was that, because um, I love movies and the idea that like in a spy movie, a good spy I don't know what the relationship is called like when the person above you is like the leader of the spies like whoever's in charge of the spies okay like the the higher up person that has the information to set up the spies they don't give the spy more information than they need they only give them the information like you need to go to this bus stop at 4:03 p.m. and there's gonna be a brown paper bag underneath you know the bench and you need to take it to the donut shop and then drop it off and leave like that is the only information you need because if a spy is given more information than they need, they'll mess it up. Right. We're the same. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's like, I have to look back and see that like my best thinking, like my very best ideas got me to jail, rehabs, institutions, almost yeah. death. And that was, that was the best I had. My best you idea know, was the bathroom floor overdosing at Oblenis Hospital. Best yeah, idea. So I had to get to that point where, like, I just want to change the way I think. Like, I can't fix my broken mind. I can't fix my mind with a broken mind. And judging by my past experiences where I'm self-will run riot out doing whatever Melanie wants to do, not caring who I affect in the process, who I hurt in the process, that's where it got me. And the results were ugly. They were yeah. not good. And, you know, I can see now, you know, and I tell girls I work with, you know, I can't fully explain this God thing to you. I, I don't know what my higher power looks like. I know it's not like a man in the sky, but I know that it's always evolving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you say it too. Like it's my higher power today isn't the same God I had when I first came in. Yeah. And I think that's important for me too, is that, you know, just this idea, it does grow over time. You know, I wasn't given too much information at first because you're right. I would not have known what to do with that. Right. I mean, think about the first portable phone that we had, the first cell phone we had, you know, and then the one that we have right now. And imagine if the universe was like, okay, Melanie, I would like to trade that phone you're holding right now with that first one you had that was so awesome and good yeah. luck. Like, could you imagine getting stuff done, like looking for an apartment or a place to live with your old phone, your right. original phone, right? So the idea that we need to let it go and start, start over with a new way. Let's go to 63 at the top. My um, favorite. Yes. This is your favorite. This is my second favorite promise in the book. Read it to us. So when we sincerely took such a position of God in charge, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed, not always what I want, if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Okay, pause. So in reference to looking for a place, 
when it comes to that, that means you're going to get a place to live that's safe and is going to give you guys shelter. That doesn't mean it might be the exact place that you thought was the one you needed, that you wanted, right? And all you have to do are two things. What are the two things you have to do in that sentence? Keep close to him and perform his work well. And if you don't know what his work is, it's called the steps. So when it comes to the way that me and you work the book out of the, you know, work the program out of the book, that means we're doing every morning. We start our morning with our 11 step. We do our prayer and meditation. We talk to God when we remember throughout the day, we do a 10 step when we are struggling and we try to help other people. And at the end of the day, we make sure we didn't miss anything in our 11 step. And that's it. That's all we have to do. And if yeah. we just do that, we're going to get everything we need. It's and that's crazy. been true. Crazy. I now have my, I now, you know, I clung to that idea that that could possibly be true. But then over time, I now have my own experience to draw back on that. It's so true. When I just take a breath and I turn these things over to God, like just allow your will to be done. Direct my thoughts and actions. Everything you gets can better. See it. You can see looking back at your own life, how much it works. My friend um, who just died sober recently, Frank Harnaker talked about, he doesn't need faith. He has evidence. Mm -hmm. he, he, I love that. he sees, he sees what God has done for him when he just stays out of the way, get, get out of the way, Carly, like get out of the way and let me do my thing. Right. You look for yeah. the houses on Zillow, you show up and fill out the applications and then you get out of the way. Right. Just wait. And right? it's so uncomfortable when, when that answer is to do nothing. Like you oh. just wait. Just wait. That's what it tells us on page 86 when you don't know what to do. Yeah. Wait. And that's, the, that's where like the real growth happens for me. When I make it through that on the other end and I'm like, wow, I really got what I needed. Can you believe yeah. I was this worried? You know, it's, it's like at work too. It's like I can see a customer come in because this, you know, this is my four days in the office this week and our work from home, you know, rotation. And that's literally my job to sit at the front desk, take these customers' documents, walk them to a computer, point a laser pointer at the screen, tell them what to click on. And it's like, I can sit there and get annoyed. Like, oh my God, why are they, they don't need to be here. I'm sure they have a computer somewhere. Like they're just lazy. But like, I have to like take a deep breath and like bring myself back to, there are people in this global pandemic who are literally on the verge or have already lost everything. Yes. They don't have employment anymore. Their business shut down. Yes. Um, all these things. And, you know, I'm still employed. Like I get to go into work and I get to help other people in my community find employment. And something and, that Melanie's talking about right now is something that we definitely um, walk through day by day together since the pandemic started, which is we would do inventories back and forth that we get to work. Like neither of us lost one day of work. I think we actually worked more. We're working more than we've ever worked because we work from home, which means you like never stop. And yeah. your partner and tons of people we know lost jobs. And mm -hmm. on the one hand, I would have loved to not have to work. But on the other hand, the anxiety <laughs> I would have felt to know that I couldn't pay for anything because I didn't have money because I wasn't working, I know was not something I wanted. Yeah, you know, that, that reminder that you get to. I want to look at one more thing and then we're going to shut this down because you're doing such a beautiful job. On 63, on that same first paragraph, at the way bottom of that paragraph, it says, 
we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter we were reborn. And that's a promise that if I, tr if I trust and rely and live my life as if God's got me, then I'm going to be okay. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have fear. It means I'm going to have, not going to have to live with it. Yeah. And, and we have seeing tools. what I can, seeing what I can contribute to life instead of take from has been a game changer too. I have a last it, question for you. Yeah. So for anyone that's listening, um, that might not have gone through the steps yet with someone that guides them out of the book, after you look at step three and you make a decision to do the work, how long should you wait until you do step four? You don't. You launch right into it. Yeah, like, baby. Like a rocket. And that's how I know how willing you are. If yes. you go home and you work on that four step, like I the book love says. that you said that. So the way that, so I've been to meetings where the full topic of the meeting, which is just a nightmare is how do you know if someone has done a proper step three? And the way you know is how. They go home and they work on their fourth step. If they right don't away. work on their fourth step, then their step three was sucky because they didn't actually mean what they said. They just wanted to go through the motions, but they didn't actually want to do any work, which goes back to my original comment, which is the only reason why people don't stay sober is they don't want to do the work. Yeah, this is when people stop calling me. Typically. I love you. Like, can everybody <laughs> hear why I'm so lucky to have this woman in my life? Thank you, Melanie. Ditto. Thank you. You're awesome. Have an awesome night. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.